The show you love with even more local, local news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Thursday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we tackle the big issues of the day, those that affect us right here in the Central Valley of California. Thank you for being part of the live and local vibe here on the Mike Douglas Show. So much appreciate your uh, your input. Uh, thank you for your very intelligent and probing questions yesterday as we had two Republican candidates who are facing off with each other for Congressional District 5 coming up in the primaries. Uh, of course, we had Tom McClintock first hour and Nathan Megsig uh, second hour. I think the the quote of the week, though, uh, I think, is Tom McClintock basically summing up California's approach to the water shortage. I like what he said. I like the way he put it. I think I think this is what it's all about. Droughts are nature's fault. They happen. But water shortages are our fault. Yeah, you know, over the uh, over the years, as I've attended uh, county meetings, and I've heard from the National Weather Service, I've heard from folks from the state, I've heard from folks from water agencies. Really, when they're being honest, they're all saying the same thing, and that is, we yes, we will have droughts. California will continue to have droughts when you build a civilization for humanity. Oftentimes in the middle of desert areas, you're going to have droughts. and the, But the point they're making and have been making a long time, and the point that Tom McClintock made yesterday, which I think is well put, is that, yes, we're going to have droughts, but there's absolutely no reason why we should not have water available during those droughts. And that speaks to uh, the history, California, the pitiful history California has had in dealing with that old subject. Here's, uh, again, Tom McClintock from yesterday. Water shortages are a choice we made 40 years ago when we began enacting laws under the rubric of environmentalism that have made the construction of new dams and reservoirs all but impossible endlessly time-consuming, ultimately cost-prohibitive. Um, we're not going to solve our water shortage until we build more dams, and we're not going to build more dams until we overhaul those radical environmental laws that are making their construction impossible. It is just as simple as that. And, and to add insult to insanity, we now have a portion of our water bonds that were supposed to go for new water projects being used to tear down four perfectly good hydroelectric dams on the Klamath River. That is insane. Uh, well put. Well put. Uh, looking at other issues, monkeypox. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but it is raising its ugly head. Well, not head, but ugly little sores, I guess. Uh, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is confirming nine monkeypox cases now in seven states, including New York, Massachusetts, Florida, Utah, Washington, Virginia, and yes, of course, California. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky says all nine cases 
are among gay and bisexual men and other men who have sex with men. Now, I anticipate that the legislators are going to find very expensive ways to try to deal with this. I have a very inexpensive, in fact, it's a zero-cost way to stop monkeypox right now. No legislation required, just good citizens doing what's good for the nation. It costs nothing but a little bit of personal sacrifice, perhaps. you have any idea what my solution here is, given that if Dr. Rochelle Walensky is right, that all nine monkeypox cases are among gay and bisexual men and other men who have sex with men, do you have any idea what my solution is that won't cost a dime to stop monkeypox dead in its tracks? you have any thoughts there? I'll let you know in a couple minutes. 209-551-3483. Our number, 209-551-3483. And uh, just further evidence that the woke left is doing what evil and deceptive people often do, and that is they're overplaying their hands. Take the case of Congressman Ruben Gallego, Democrat from Arizona. He includes the Phoenix area in his uh, area. On the afternoon of May 24, Congressman Daryl Issa here from California sent out this tweet, quote, our thoughts and prayers are with these families, referring to uh, the families of the victims of the, of the shootings in Texas. All right, here's the response from Congressman Ruben Gallego from Arizona. F your prayers. It's a four-letter word. F your prayers. They haven't worked for the last 20 mass shootings. How about passing laws that will stop these killings? And he had similarly highly learned language ready on May 24th for Senator Ted Cruz as well. He said, F, the four-letter word, F you, Ted Cruz, you care about a fetus, but you will let our children get slaughtered. Just get your ass to Cancun. You are useless. So, There we go. There we go. Another evidence that the woke left is overplaying its hand. And again, I point to June 7, and at least in California, June 7 and November 8, how important that is. Another uh, final note here very quickly. There's a, a new study with uh, or done by Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and the University of Michigan. They have combined together to find out that rattlesnakes are now thriving here in California. Seven species of rattlesnakes found in California are among the fastest growing animal population in the state. Why? Well, the theory is it's the heat created by climate change. I have a solution. I have a solution to this snake infestation, the problem with fast-growing fast snake infestation. My solution to dangerous stakes in California is to adjourn the California legislature until next winter. I think that possibly might take care of the problem. All right, 
Another problem that uh, you may have is what to do with your house. You're looking at Modesto home prices rising, inventory low, interest rate hikes mean price fluctuations. So selling your home now with an aggressive, experienced agent is probably the right move to maximize your equity. Do you have a growing family or you're working from home and you need more space? I understand that. Call the agent I trust and recommend. Call Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or he'll sell it for free. His home selling program, it's designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control. No costly repairs required and no long-term contracts. Love it. And you pick your move date. Dan can even find you a new home before you move. Melody in Oakdale says she needed to sell quickly, but her home needed a bunch of repairs and upgrades to get a decent price, but she didn't have the time nor the money to do it. Well, Melody called Dan Phipps, and Dan said, no problem, we can do it. And he did. Dan got multiple offers and sold for much higher than she could have imagined. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend, and I'd hire him to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. And we'll go to the phones in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show, 209-551-3483, as we continue here on Power Talk 1360, KFIV, back in three minutes. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show, on air and online, Power Talk 1360, KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Our phone number here, 209-551-3483. Let's go to the phones right now. Debbie and Stanislaus, a good Thursday afternoon to you, Debbie. Well, thank you very much, and, and so to you also from me. I want to thank you, humbly thank you, for you giving us the opportunity that you've given us for so long Every night and every day I pray that that will be extended even further. We need you that much. And I'll share with you what our problem is. And until we get this problem fixed, we're doomed. I believe that we're all our brother's keepers, every single one of us. And as long as we continue to use hate as our lead, want to hurt somebody because it makes us feel good, as another lead, and we keep saying all the wrong things about each other. We need to uplift each other, not tear each other down. And until we do that, we've seen nothing yet because we're going to destroy our whole country, and we're going to do it in so many ways. The gun is not what's doing it. It's the people that are doing it, and they've gone through so much. If you stop to think about it, everybody, The pandemic alone, closing down California for two and a half years, all the horrible things that are going on in the new administration, they're out to destroy our country. Not every Democrat feels that way, so don't take it that way. But there is a core, a core of people that are determined beyond any any possibility that they want to reconstitute this country. They want to take our declaration away from us. And they warned us a long time ago they were going to do it. 
Now, if you do your homework and go back into your technology, you're going to find exactly who said it and who perpetrated this and who is going to make it happen unless we stop them. And the only thing that will stop it from happening is love for each other and to realize we have to learn to get along and care about each and every one of us collectively. We can't keep poking our fingers at each other and saying it's a gun, it's this, it's that. You know, if people want to hurt each other and kill each other, there's a myriad of things they can use. It isn't the gun, it's never been the gun. But it really is convenient for the establishment to use that because if you don't have any guns and they want to take over permanently, which they're doing right now, you're finished. And I'm not giving up my country. And I'm not a young youngster anymore, but I'll get out there and I'll defend my country with everything I've got in me and all my military and all my police. I lived on Camp Pendleton for five long years. I saw how they treated them. Talking about rattlesticks, every year they had to go into the gullies and get the rattlesticks and the tarantulas. This is weather-wise. This isn't going to go away. It's part of our, our land that we live on. We, we need to learn to live with each other and learn to live with our environment, our lands, Everything is all up to us, but we have to want it, and we need our churches back. We need them to tell, don't tell us not to go into our churches anymore. You don't have control over us. We have a control over us. So if you don't want us to, too bad. We're going to do it anyway. You try to stop us. You think because you're the governing government, you can do whatever you want to us? And so you're in the process of destroying our country, the border. Look what you're doing. If we could handle the whole world, I'd say, open up everything. We'll handle the whole world. But we can't. There are limitations in our life, and we need to learn what those limitations are and work with them, not against them. I, God I us all. yeah, I agree. I, I agree with your, uh, your points there, Debbie. Uh, well said. Thank you for calling in. Uh, let, let me let me unpack some of that, uh, if if you don't mind. Uh, again, thanks for the call, and and you bring to mind some things I I want to follow up with, if if you don't mind. Uh, one one is that I was talking to uh, Debbie. I was talking to a uh, therapist friend of mine. Uh, been in practice for years and years. He's also a pastor, and uh, he just recently retired. Good man guy I trust him implicitly. So we were kicking around some of the subjects that you're talking about, Debbie. One of them is why we see a lot of the violence right now, why we see evil uh, in, in manifesting in, in very uh, bold and, and present ways. And one of his thoughts is the lid is off. Uh, let me explain that. The things have been boiling for a long time, like like boiling water in a, in a pot that has a lid on it. And it's heating up, it's heating up. And he especially looks at to the draconian uh, public policy measures that were inflicted upon us during the uh, pandemic. He looks at, we were talking about this 18-year-old suspect, and I shall not name him to give him any notoriety, but this 18-year-old suspect and some of the other violent acts that have occurred, especially involving young people. And uh, he he says, you know, you you keep kids cooped up 
like that. You keep them cooped up only with social media. You keep them cooped up and deny them the natural growth that happens in socialization at school and with friends and such. You keep them, you force them to keep, to be cooped up and then to be desensitized to violence through a lot of uh, the video games and uh, social media and what goes on there, the conversations. He says the lid's off, and I think I think it's an apt turn. the The pot is boiling over, the lid is off, and we're 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 experiencing the after effects of horrible public policy. Horrible public policy. It's public policy that is based upon lies. That is based upon half-truths. And so now we're, we're experiencing that. And I, I agree with you. We have to learn to live with the environment that we're in. You talked about Camp Pendleton and uh, folks searching for rattlesnakes and tarantulas and that sort of thing. I agree with you. We have to learn to live in the environment that we have chosen uh, to, <clears throat> to live in. And I, I also agree with you that there needs to be I, and it comes down to personal choice. And I don't know if, if our current politicians across the board are willing to do it. But I believe across the board, they need to start modeling what the society needs to carry out itself. And that is civil discourse and the ability to disagree without being disagreeable, the ability to make your point without tearing down the other person. Our politicians are not doing that. They're not doing it in Sacramento. They're not doing it in Washington, D.C. And any time that you expect a society or a culture to act civilly, you got to look, you got to shift your eyes to the leaders of that culture and look at what they're doing. And it becomes very hypocritical when the when the politicians and the leaders in Sacramento and Washington, D.C. expect the populace to act in a different way than they do. You know, look in Washington, D.C. Look, look at uh, so, so many of the laws that have been broken by people in power, people with a lot of money, and uh, they don't get touched. We, we look at the whole Hunter Biden issue with the laptop. We look at uh, what was going on with Burisma. We look at what was going on in Ukraine. Hunter Biden, if, if that was you or me, I can almost guarantee you and I would be rotting away in some federal prison. But is do you think Hunter Biden will be, will be touched at all? I don't think so. I, I don't think there, there might be a, a minor. Uh, as long as his dad's in office, uh, I don't think he'll be touched now. If the powers that be in the Democratic Party, the, the, the woke part of it, decide that Joe Biden is no longer useful, then I, I think uh, they, they might let loose on Hunter as a way of, of moving him out. Just a, a theory that I have. Anyway, but come back to the point. Good, good points, Debbie, and I think you're, you're right to, to deal with each other civilly and even in the primaries. That I'm, and are you listening to the to the campaign commercials? Are are you reading what's in the pamphlets? I'm making a file of all the campaign pamphlets that I have. You're going. You're kidding, Mike. All those things that trash our mailboxes. Yeah, I'm I'm keeping a file 
of them because I'm reading them very carefully. And we'll take some time, not today, not this week, but uh, before June 7. And I want to hit some of those highlights because what their, what our leaders, some of our leaders are modeling for us is not what we want for the culture. And so when you're running from, for office, to me, the the ends do not justify the means. The ends do not justify the means. Do we have integrity or do we not? And the hypocritical attitude of so many politicians in Sacramento and and Washington, D.C., it's just very uh, just very discouraging. Well, we'll continue uh, with our phones in five minutes. want to make sure we get your comments. 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. As the Mike Douglas Show continues in five minutes. Here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this uh, Thursday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our phone number, 209-551-3483. And uh, Jenna from Sonora has been patiently waiting. Jenna, thanks for uh, holding on for us. And what's on your mind today? Uh, yes, Mike. Um, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm sick and tired of people saying guns, bad, bad, bad. Why don't we talk about how guns have de-escalated in certain situations from um, good Samaritans that um, have to conceal and carry? No one ever talks about that. No one ever wants to talk about that. Not all guns, they're, they're not bad, but it has helped in certain situations that could have gotten so much worse. Absolutely. And, and I think what's being lost, Jenna, <laughs> is that the the gun, the inanimate object, is neither bad nor good. It is what the human being using that tool does that makes the action bad or good. And I think that's, I don't know, Jenna, do you think that's intentionally being ignored by uh, some of our politicians, or, or do you think that they're just not not thinking at all? Um, I believe they're trying to take our guns away from us, and they're trying to say bad, bad, bad. And um, I believe the politicians know know what they're doing, and they're trying to take the Second Amendment away from us. Because, as I keep hearing, you can't take the guns away from bad people. You just can't. We have to figure out on how to um, just how. We, th- we just have to figure something out, and the politicians know exactly what, what they're doing, and they want control of us. I, uh, I, th- I agree with you, uh, Jenna. Great call, Jenna. Thanks so much for holding, and thanks for offering us your, your thoughts there. Really, uh, really appreciate that very much. Uh, and, and Jenna brings up a, a couple of, of thoughts, and, and that, uh, my, well, l- let me preface this by giving you a couple of, of quotes. Jenna brought this up uh, in, into my mind here. There are certain things you are not going to hear discussed, 
in the quotes and the sound bites I'm about to present to you. And one of those things is mental illness. Now, to me, anyone who murders someone else has to be mentally ill anyway. Now, I understand crimes of passion. Uh, this was not a crime of passion. This what what happened in Texas was pre uh, premeditated. Uh, the man was armed and obviously was prepared to do some some damage to people. And so, but anyway, the the issue is we're, we're dealing with the most easy thing to get people uptight about, and that is guns. Uh, the the left knows that if they just sound that what do they say dog whistle that everybody everybody's going to get up in arms no pun intended and they're going to get all mad they're all going to get passionate they're going to start yelling and screaming and that is the time that they start with some of these bills all right now uh, thank you Jenna for bringing this up it was a good transition to what I'd like to bring before you right now. State of California, as you probably know, is trying to fa- uh, fast-track 10, quote-unquote, gun bills right now. Governor Gaz- Gavin Newsom says uh, he thinks they're sensible. And uh, here's, um, well, l- let me just uh, give you his initial comments about this uh, from yesterday. California leads this national conversation. When California moves, other states move in the same direction. Okay, so part of uh, Governor Gavin Newsom's agenda is to, uh, in my opinion, offer an arrogant attitude about California leading the nation in uh, totally ineffective, unjustified, and horrible bills. Now, let's go to California Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon. He's calling for national uh, action as well, but... Until then, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness will be an empty promise from our Declaration of Independence. Oh, I see. If we don't take guns away from people, then uh, the, the tenets of the Declaration of Independence are no longer valid. Assemblyman Speaker Anthony Rendon, I'm sorry, we're not buying it. And then California Senate Leader Tony Atkins chimed in. And listen, this is very interesting. Listen to her tone. And she's blaming opposing views for fear in schools. Now listen for the spin about people who vote with a Second Amendment perspective. Those folks she says, whose votes have put more guns on our streets and in our classrooms, needs to put their extreme and misguided ideologies aside. Children are scared to go to school. You notice how she shifted the blame. Is there any among the governor of California, the uh, speaker of uh, the assembly, uh, the, the leader of the Senate? Did you hear any reference at all? to dealing with mental illness. Did you hear any reference at all to improving security measures at schools? Did you hear any reference at all to anything that would actually make a difference? No. And yet, these are the people that we've elected. 
these are the people we've elected. Now I say we, I say the state of California. I didn't vote for any of them. But the state of California did, the people of California did, and now we're suffering the result. Every every choice has a consequence, sometimes unintended consequence. And that's why, again, I will continue to underscore the importance of the primaries on June 7 and then the midterms in, uh, in November, on November 8. It is absolutely important, absolutely important that we deal with real issues. And uh, Jenna, I think one of the issues that is so important here, and and by the way, you made a great point about how how guns are a great deterrent. They have been used to save lives. For for example, uh, guns have been used by law enforcement to bring people down who might have committed more murders. Who knows what would have happened with this suspect in Texas, had he been allowed to move to other classrooms, and by the way, we'll um, well um, let me do that in just a moment. I'll bring you an update on on what's happening with that. I don't want to uh, overburden us with updates from Texas. W- one of the reasons is the investigation is in progress, and I, I think one of the realities that we have to face is that this area, my take is, has a uh, probably a fairly small local police department. I'm guessing that they're not equipped either in terms of investigation or in terms of rapid response to deal with something like this. And uh, I'm judging from the press conferences, it's, it, the, the, they're fi- trying to find their way. And if we expect them to act like L.A. County Sheriff's Department or New York PD, NYPD, or if we're expecting them to act like some of the big departments, I think we're going to be sadly, sadly disappointed. Uh, now, in the, on the one hand, I'm saying, look, let's wait and see what the investigation reveals. Let's let the—do uh, you realize with, uh, what, 19, 20, 21 people uh, shot, killed, and or injured— do you realize the investigative process involved there? Just collecting the evidence itself is uh, probably hours, if not a couple of days. And they're trying to piece together things. And, and we are so quick in the media to demand, in, and, and the public, to demand instantaneous results. Why did he do it? How come there wasn't a more rapid response? It's going to take time to ferret this out, and we need to give them a little bit of grace in that process. I understand the angst of the parents. I understand why they want something right now. I don't blame them for that. But for the rest of us, we need to realize not every part department has the resources that the big city departments do across our nation. And so we, we need to temper our demands for information and let them do the job they need to do. Do we hold them accountable? Absolutely. That's what the press needs to do. That's what the public needs to do. But we also need to deal with reality in terms of giving them the grace to do what they need to do. All right, our number here, 209-551-3483. Give you a couple of updates on this, and uh, we'll also take uh, your phone calls coming up in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. 
the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Our phone number here, live and local, 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Let's go to the phones. And uh, John from Brentwood has been patiently waiting as well. John, welcome to the show. What's uh, what's on your mind today, my friend? Hey, Mike, real quick. You know, um, some years ago, probably four or five minimum, um, this, the middle school that my daughter used to go to, they used to have what was known as a resource officer, which was a, a sheriff's deputy that was on school grounds while the school was open. And of course he was armed. Nobody was afraid of him because he was, you know, kept, you know, people were glad to see him there. He kept things under control. You know, he actually started up an archery program for the kids at the school. Um, that turned into something really big. They actually went to Kentucky a few years and competed against other schools in an archery, archery tournament. Um, and a whole bunch of good stuff was coming of that. And then I believe that the sheriff's department was paying for the majority of that. And then they decided that with all the budget cuts that they were taking, they couldn't afford it anymore. And the state said that they couldn't afford to do it anymore either. And it went away. Now, if there's such a big windfall of tax money that Governor Pomade isn't exactly sure what he wants to do with it, why don't they start something like this back up and actually do something that could actually prevent things like this from happening instead of all this lip service that does absolutely nothing? John, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, for cities and counties and school districts, that needs to be a priority uh, for a couple reasons. And, and one of them is what you just hit. One is it's the relationship that the police department or the sheriff's department is able then to create with the students. That is a, that is a huge benefit that will last possibly for generations. You mentioned uh, the school resource officer there starting an archery uh, program and such and how that, uh, that, how that really uh, took off. And so on, on one level, it's just that wonderful act of creating relationships and through that creating trust. And, and the, the other part of that, of course, is there's someone trained on campus uh, who is armed to respond to to know what to do if something like this goes down very quickly. I agree with you. I, I think the school resource officers ought to be a, a high priority. And uh, I, I understand budget cuts and all that as well. But I'm thinking that local government school districts, maybe the school districts can... Uh, and take some of the all those state dollars and put it towards uh, that type of a resource. Yeah, I agree with you, John. I think exactly, that's a great exactly. idea. Exactly, and you know, he turned he turned out to be a real good friend. He came to some of our barbecues, um, and just a really great guy. I mean, we got to know him really well. And then he retired and moved to Tennessee. He wanted out of California. So imagine he's that not in the long run. But, <laughs> John, but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that just shows where the state is going. But yeah. well, no, if there's that much money left, let's do something with it that matters. Yeah, how instead about, of paying for abortions. How for about that sixty-eight uh, sixty-eight billion dollars, John? What do you think could could some of that be used for? It that surplus. 
you would think they would put it towards something good instead of, like I said, free abortions and free health care and all this other crap that they're doing, paying people's rent that couldn't afford to pay for it. And all, it's all this other BS that they spend our tax money on. They need to put it towards something that's actually going to do something. Amen. Amen. Well said, John. Thanks for the call. Appreciate that very much. Great, great point by John and and this uh, school resource officer. He's he's also a role model. We talked. I talked earlier about how our leaders, our government leaders, our politicians need to model what we as citizens ought to be looking like in terms of having integrity and honesty and not abusing power and all that. Well, here's here's a, a police officer assigned to a school that was doing that. He was modeling what it means to be a, a good citizen. He was modeling what it means to not abuse the color of authority. Uh, that's what we call it in, the, in that type of a case for law enforcement. Uh, good point, John. Thank you so much. Our number here, 209-551-3483. Let's go up the road a piece to Stockton and Barbara. Barbara, welcome. What's on your mind today? Well, uh, Mike, would, do you think something like this would tie into it? Several weeks ago, late at night, I was listening to the radio to the BBC and they had this reporter on there that had this report from Davis, Switzerland, you know, where they have all the movers and shakers. And he said that uh, uh, the corporations, that they were they was trying, they were hoping by the year 2030 that uh, they said that, no, that nobody uh, in the world will own much of anything. So they'll be in control. So I was wondering if taking the guns away, particularly the Americans, if this might have something to do with it. I, I think, uh, yes, Barbara, I think so. I, I think in years past, people would uh, take that statement and say, oh, Mike, you're a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. No, well, we see I it thought. now. <laughs> yeah, we see it now, Barbara, yeah. especially with the ESG. By the way, I'm going to do a, a segment upcoming on ESG. And uh, I, j- just to make sure everyone's aware of, of the way it has the potential for undermining freedom. And uh, I think you're exactly right. right. What we see, especially with with the World Health Organization, with the World Economic Forum, uh, both we're we're looking at uh, plans for and an attitude of one world order. Bad news for those who love freedom. Yeah. So I I think you're on the right track, Barbara. Definitely. Okay, well, thank you for taking my call. Oh, thank you. Thanks for calling, Barbara. We appreciate it. We love, love the folks up in Stockton when they call as well. Thank you so much for uh, participating. Let me uh, give you a couple of updates. Uh, we can do this uh, very quickly. Just want to make sure you're you're up to speed on, on what's happening right now regarding the uh, investigation in, uh, in Texas. Uh, there was a press conference uh, today with uh, Department of Public Safety, South Texas Regional Director Victor Escalon. And uh, he made a couple of good points. He said the suspected shooter shot his grandmother, then wrecked his truck nearby the school just before the shooting happened. He walks around, he sees two witnesses at the funeral home across the street from where he wrecked. He engages and fires towards them. Yeah, so he was shooting at people at a funeral home, for goodness sakes, before he entered the school. 
And right after that, he, he entered uh, the Robb Elementary School. He climbs a fence. Now he's in the parking lot shooting at the school multiple times. And uh, then uh, Escalon says the suspect then engaged in a gun battle with officers uh, for about four minutes after he entered the school. Multiple rounds, numerous rounds are discharged in the school. And then at that point, officers uh, took cover and they were waiting for reinforcements. And during that time, they approached where the suspect is at. And... uh, Mr. Escalon, the uh, South Texas Regional Director of Public Safety in Texas, says the suspect was eventually shot and killed one hour later after the reinforcements got to the school. U.S. Border Patrol tactical teams arrived, but you also had a Zavala County deputy that made entry and killed the suspect. And here's what's really important, and and this is a point I hit all the time, is we're so quick in media now with all our technology, we we rush to conclusions without the evidence. Listen carefully. From the grandmother's house to the bar ditch to the school, into the school, he was not confronted by anybody. So there, there had been reports that he had been confronted by a school resource officer or, or someone else in law enforcement. That is not the case. Uh, throughout the entire prelude, he was not confronted. All right, we'll continue with the Mike Douglas Show after news, traffic, and weather coming up in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Going to talk about the speaker and the Archbishop. The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to our number two of the Mike Douglas Show here on this beautiful Thursday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas here as your personal concierge for conversation as we take apart the issues of the day that we need to talk about so that we can hone our own perspectives and maybe have influence on others as well. Thank you so much for being part of the mix here on the Mike Douglas Show. Appreciate that so much. I want to talk a, a bit about the issue between uh, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni and the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. And let me just set the stage a little bit. Uh, one of his recent texts uh, said this, after numerous attempts to speak with Speaker Pelosi, To help her understand the grave evil she is perpetrating, the scandal she is causing, and the danger to her own soul she is risking, I have determined that she is not to be admitted to Holy Communion. Now, of course, what we're talking about is her support of abortion. Now, as a pastor, I am not part of the Roman Catholic denomination. I am part of Protestant and I'm non-denominational, so I cannot speak for the Roman Catholic Church here. And I, I don't want to get into 
transubstantiation and consubstantiation and such. What what I what I want to deal with is the issue between Nancy Pelosi and the Roman Catholic Church as represented by the Archbishop in San Francisco. Now, I use the word scandal because that's what he said. Uh, that has meaning. His words mean something when he says that. Let's, let's listen to an interview that he did, I think, uh, sometimes last week. Scandal is um, an action uh, that... Uh, would it lead others into error or, or into sin? So the scandal here is, again, as I was referring to earlier, that uh, someone who's strongly advocating for uh, something as evil as abortion and taking communion creates confusion among people, and they can begin to think that it's acceptable all right, so he's defining, when, when he uses the word scandal, it's probably not in the normal sense that you and I use it, but he's saying scandal is an action that would lead others into error or into sin. And he says, so the, the, the issue here is that someone who strongly is advocating for something evil as abortion and taking communion creates confusion amongst people, and he says they can begin to think that it is acceptable for a Catholic to believe this. All right, that's, uh, that's his definition of scandal. Now, let me go a little bit further, and let's listen to his rationale for not providing communion, authorizing communion for Nancy Pelosi. So in this sense, I was also following the advice that... Um, well, Pope Benedict, when he was Cardinal Ratzinger in charge of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, sent a letter to uh, bishops here in the United States back in 2004 when he gave us uh, advice on how to approach this, specifically with uh, politicians, Catholic politicians, and specifically on the two issues of abortion and euthanasia. And, and he said we need to meet to dialogue to try to move them down the path of conversion. And if after um, several attempts, uh, it comes to the point where it's clear this is not going to happen, then the bishop or the pastor, he says, is to declare that the person is not to be admitted to Holy Communion. So I'm, I'm guided by the principles articulated by Pope Francis in taking the approach of the device that then Cardinal Ratzinger gave us. All right, so there's the Archbishop's rationale for this decision. Now, Nancy Pelosi was on MSNBC's Morning Joe on uh, the morning of Tuesday, May 24th, and she took a very broad-brush approach to what this pro-life movement is really about. What's so sad about it, and as you're speaking, I'm thinking of some of the discussions I've had with other members of Congress over time, and what is important for women to know and families to know that this is not just about terminating a pregnancy. So these same people are against contraception, family planning, in vitro fertilization. It's, it's, a, it's a blanket thing, and they use abortion as the front man for it while they try to undo so much. That's what they tried to do in the Affordable Care Act, which didn't have anything about terminating an abortion. A, a pregnancy. How, how did we get to the Affordable Care Act if it didn't have anything to do with abortion? Uh, I, I don't understand her reaction to that. And then what I think is a fairly convoluted statement that followed. 
Well, I come from a largely pro-life Italian-American Catholic family, so I, I respect people's views about, uh, about that, but I don't respect us foisting it on to others. Now, our Archbishop has, has been vehemently against LGBTQ rights, too. In fact, he led the way in some of the initiatives on an initiative on the ballot in California. So this decision taking us to privacy and precedent is very dangerous in the lives of the, so many of the American people. Well, and again, not consistent with the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, I'm... What? The decision taking us to privacy and precedent is very dangerous in the lives of so many American people. Um, well, okay, how about the lives of the unborn babies living inside their mothers? Is, is, are their lives important? Uh, how about their privacy and precedent? Or are babies just ba- babies just being born and suggestion that maybe mothers ought to have the uh, authority to uh, kill them as well? Uh, are these babies not included in her class of American people? And I, I don't get the, <laughs> I, I do not get the reference to the Gospel of Matthew. I'm not sure uh, where where she is. By the way, and and we'll get to the phones in just a second. Hang on there, Carl. I'll be right to you. Uh, the, did you notice at the beginning of of her statement there, she says she does not support forcing views upon others. It went by very quickly. Let me play it again. I respect people's views about uh, about that, but I don't respect us foisting it onto others. So we don't respect foisting our views upon others. Does that strike you as hypocritical at all? Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Let's get your reactions. And Carl from Modesto, Carl, what's on your mind about this today? Well, Mike, I I just had an immediate uh, observation that with all of the problems that the Catholic Church has had over the last couple of decades with scandals, and um, for them to call out a politician for something they view as scandalous really strikes me as something that has crossed over a line that, that you know, for them to call somebody out, it, it must be really big to them. And I can't imagine Nancy Pelosi, um, regardless of what she says, I can't imagine that's a, a good optic for her. Yeah, do you, and, and here's the question that's being uh, posed, Carl. There, there are some people that are criticizing the archbishop saying, uh, it's none of your business. You have nothing to do with that. Well, he, what he's talking about is denying the serving of communion. Uh, we're not talking about excommunication. He's talking about the denial of, of communion. And whether that's appropriate or not, my my read is, and, and <laughs> I let, let me... Let me make a, an allusion to sports. If you go into a, if you go into baseball and you go on uh, the the field, you know what the rules are. You know what the rules are, and and so you abide by the rules of, of baseball. And so, if if the rulings of the Catholic Church currently are, if, if what's taught in the catechisms are that uh, you may not receive communion if you support abortion 
then those are the tenets that the Roman Catholic Church has adopted. Change them uh, if, if you want, but those are the the, those are the rules, so to speak, that are in effect at the moment. So in that regard, I'm, I, I think, well, why are they complaining if they know those are the rules? Does that make sense, Carl? It does. And, you know, I don't believe anything would have been said except for the fact that she put herself out to be a Catholic. So she brought this on herself, you know, by, I, by, expressing views that are contrary to to Catholic belief. So I don't feel bad for it at all. And I can see where the Cardinal would be uh, making a decision like that. And um, I would assume we're going to see more of that. I, I, I think so. Carl, thanks so much for the call. Good, good thinking, good points to bring up. Appreciate that very much. Uh, what do you think, my friends? Is the Archbishop right in his decision to deny communion, the Eucharist, to Nancy Pelosi? Or do you see other angles on this? Our number here, 209-551-3483. We'll continue the conversation in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360, KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. We're talking about the the issue between uh, the Archbishop in San Francisco and uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. By the way, one of the things I've <clears throat> heard bantied about is, well, President Biden went and visited the Pope, and uh, the, the claim from Mr. Biden was that uh, the Pope said he was a good Catholic and that he ought to keep taking uh, communion. Well, the the problem with that in reference to this is there was no discussion of abortion in that context. And the other issue, and this is wise, uh, it was a private conversation. And as you may know, those of us who are clergy, when we meet with someone one-on-one, uh, what we say is not open to public dissemination. It is protected by our laws anyway, unless there's a, a major issue regarding child abuse or something like that, elder abuse. But generally, uh, you have a privilege of confidentiality. And so the Vatican is saying, we're sorry, but that conversation was private. And uh, they, they are saying, no, there, there was no issue here uh, regarding abortion. So to use that President Biden example as a way to uh, rationalize uh, Nancy Pelosi receiving communion doesn't wash because it didn't apply. All right, let's go back to the phones, 209-551-3483. Uh, Jeanette in uh, Escalon, what, what do you think about this today? Well, I mean, okay, so we're talking about the Catholic Church and we're getting political and, and you know, uh, you know, the, the bottom line, um, uh, and um, regardless of what the Pope says, there are many really God-fearing Catholics who understand that abortion is wrong. It's just, it's murder. And, and you know, one of the 
soberest warnings in the New Testament concerns a manner in which we approach and participate in the Lord's Supper. You know, the scripture in 1 Corinthians, it says that whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the blood and body of the Lord. And in Psalm 139, it, it makes it very clear that he, he skillfully, God skillfully wrought us in the lowest parts of the earth. They, his eyes saw our substance yet unformed. I mean, our, our, all of our days were written even before we were formed. Uh, we are God's creation uh, from, from the moment of conception. Uh, life is precious. And even the Constitution guarantees, uh, you know, that um, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And so, you know, if they're forbidden, if, if Nancy Pelosi is not allowed to take communion, they're doing her a favor because she would be approaching the table in an unworthy manner. And some people in the Old Testament, I mean, in the New Testament, they said some people even died when taking communion in an unworthy manner. So that, that, there needs to be a lot of careful thought about where we stand on abortion, those of us who profess to be Catholic or Christian or whatever, because many Catholics are believers. I'm not saying that. Uh, I have a sister who's a Catholic, but, but uh, you know, we've got to think this, this thing very, very seriously, because when you're talking about abortion, you're talking about a whole nother life. It's not part of the woman's body. It's a different person with its own DNA. And I shouldn't say it, a he or she. Absolutely. And uh, I think you're right. Uh, well, I don't think you're right. I know you're right. The Apostle Paul makes it very clear that when we participate in communion, we need to approach that table uh, very, very carefully. In fact, uh, you know, the principles involved include if, if you have an issue with a brother or a sister that Perhaps you ought not to approach the table until you've uh, until you've reconciled. So yeah, very uh, very good point exactly. uh, there, Jeanette. Exactly. Thank, thanks for your and, call. You know, and and Mike, that that Mike, that spills over into what's going on in our culture. There's so much division. Yes. How much of it is in the church? I know we it's in our society, and we really really need uh, we need healing in this land. And, you know, among, you know, we're all brothers and sisters in a sense. I mean, uh, many of us, we have different beliefs, but we're all created by the same God. And we we really need to just uh, really, um, uh, we just need to come back together. I mean, we're we're just, you know, really, we're just simple people, uh, boys and girls, men and women, and we're we're so divided, and this is why we have these shootings and other things. People are angry, and we just really need to reach out to one another in love and and acceptance, and uh, in, you know, by God's grace. Jeanette, thank you. Appreciate the call. Good principles there, and I, I think Jeanette, one of the problems in trying to attain that is that I think there is a general, uh, especially in the woke culture, anti-God movement. Uh, And with that comes a bubbling up of and release of a lot of evil in our culture as we rail against uh, the Judeo-Christian ethic. And uh, in the United States of America, there's no mandate that you have to be part of either religion, uh, Jewish or uh, 
or Christian, the Judeo-Christian ethic in general. There's no mandate for that. It's, uh, you know, there's no mandate for being one religion. But the principles of the ethic, of the Judeo-Christian ethic, are are what this nation was founded upon. And I I think as as we continue to allow people to deny that, uh, then we will continue to see evil raise its ugly head and manifest itself in uh, in some very terrible terrible ways and I, I think that's part of what we're we're seeing right now the other thing to me is uh to to Nancy Pelosi if she knows what the rules are except not taking communion I, I can't imagine that Nancy Pelosi wakes up every morning and is devastated by the fact that she can't be served the Eucharist, the communion. I don't buy it. I really don't. I think this has been, uh, this is this has become a, a political issue, and, uh, well, that's just, just my read. Let's take a very quick call, uh, Kevin and Escalon. Kevin, uh, what do you think? Hey, how's it going, Mike? Good. Um, yeah, I was just listening, and, you know, as a Catholic myself, and I can understand, you know, some of the people who aren't Catholic looking in and kind of saying, oh, there's some scandals going on. Uh, but we kind of really need to clean up our own house in a way. And with what the Catholic Church believes about what the Eucharist is, I think it's crazy that she hasn't been denied communion. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I uh, and, I agree know, with you. I, I really wish a lot more... Yeah, I, I wish a lot more of our church leaders would kind of take that stance. And, I mean, there's issues going on in the church, absolutely. Uh, but kind of the way I look at it, and I'm, I'm not trying to create division between Catholic and Protestant, because I think we're all brothers in Christ. Uh, but I think just because there's an issue with some people in your church, I mean, you don't leave. That, that's right. Kevin, hate to cut you short. Got to go. But we'll be back in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show. Thank you, sir. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation and spirited conversation we've had today. Thank you for that. Our telephone number here, 209-551-3483, A few comments I would like to visit before we uh, leave the subject of uh, Speaker Pelosi and the Archbishop in San Francisco. You may recall, this was back on, uh, I think, the 20th, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Senator Scott uh, Weiner from San Francisco released a statement regarding this whole issue. Here's what uh, he said, quote, After supporting Prop 8 and refusing to get vaccinated, our right-wing ar- archbishop is now attacking one of the most effective leaders in the history of our country because she supports reproductive health and safe access to abortion. The Archbishop's refusal to give communion to Speaker Pelosi is shameful. He is deeply out of step with San Francisco and should be removed. What do you think about that statement? 
3483. Very interesting to me that many politicians observe what they perceive to be the separation of church and state until they think it will benefit them to remove that for their own purposes. I think uh, Senator Weiner is is doing uh, this at, at this time. Uh, the other thing I, I want to revisit is uh, Nancy Pelosi made some, in, in what I thought were kind of convoluted uh, statements when she was on the Morning Joe, she said something about the Gospel of Matthew, and I think it might have been in reference to the command to love your neighbor as as yourself, perhaps, which I'm wondering how that would apply in this case, that killing a fetus, killing a baby is loving your neighbor as yourself. What I want to say about this, and, and this as a pastor, let, let me just offer this to you. Always beware of proof texting. Proof has nothing to do with texting on a phone, but <laughs> proof texting. Proof texting in our theological uh, discussions means using Scripture out of context to prove your point. Rather than being truthful about what the Bible passage means— in the context of who's talking, when they're talking, who they're talking to, why they're talking to them, and the historical setting of that conversation or that statement. All these things are important. And and when I teach or preach, I'm always very careful to bring out the context of the of the scripture. Uh, I that that is so important because we under, need to understand why what's being said is being said, and when politicians bring out a a verse to use it for their own purposes, it's called proof texting, and it's uh, it's a fallacious uh, error in academic integrity at the very least. All right, let's go back to the phones. 209-551-3483. Teresa up in Ripon, how are you today and what's your comment? Yes, good afternoon, Mike. Thank you for bringing this forward. Um, You know, uh, Jeanette did a beautiful job. I think we have to realize that these these little ones in the wombs is where we were. We were at one time and all life needs to be protected because Everyone has a purpose and a mission. And, you know, Jesus says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And he also says, whatever you do to the least of these little ones, you did it unto me. So now Pelosi, she says she doesn't want to impose her views on us, but yet we're paying for all this uh, devastation of little innocent children, 63 million and counting. And then they have a, a bill, um, and I'm sure you're aware of it, Mike, AB 2223, yes. in, uh, tomorrow's being voted on in the Assembly, and it's to make abortion uh, legal up to nine months, of pre- all through nine months of pregnancy and even after. So we are responsible, we, each one of us is responsible for what's going on in our country, and they talk about protecting children, but are we really protecting children? And that's why we're seeing this devastation around our, uh, you know, our nation, that there's no respect for human life. People uh, believe that they have a right to take somebody else's life, and they do not. 
this is not a godly uh, situation, and it's it's very very bad. Absolutely, so we see the devastation. We see the devastation in Texas. We see the devastation in these young women who are getting abortions. They say one dead, one wounded. Uh, they say they do it for the mental health of the mother. Yet that mother becomes very uh, self-destructive after killing her child. And we're all responsible for these things. Okay, we, Mike, we, that, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, thank you, uh, Teresa. Thank you very much. Appreciate okay. your call. And uh, I, I think, Teresa, you, you bring up some excellent points. And I, w- what, it re- what some of your comments remind me of, Teresa, is that our culture has desensitized us, if not our younger generations, to what life means. Uh, We've desensitized our children and our children's children and our children's children children to death. And that, I, I think, cuts to social media. It cuts to a lot of, uh, and I'm not against video games per se, but some yes. And, and I think our, even Hollywood has desensitized us to killing. And so what we're reaping now is what we've sown as a culture. And so I, I believe, uh, Teresa, that we're, we're seeing, unfortunately, the, uh, the fruits of our labors in that regard. All right, our phone number, 209-551-3483. Uh, let's go to David in Modesto. Hi, David. Welcome. Hello, thank you for taking my call today. Um, I heard you saying that this bishop in San Francisco is not going to give Nancy Pelosi communion. And um, what that means, actually, is I understand it because I married outside of the church. I was once Catholic. And uh, when I got married out, I talked to the priest, my wife in those days, and he said, you know, um, he wanted us to find a church for sure, said there was plenty in Modesto, raise your kid in church if you had one or some. And then he said, by the way, no more taking communion in the Catholic church. And I go, what do you mean? And he said, well, you're excommunicated. I heard you say something about she's not excommunicated, but as I understand it, that's what excommunication is. You can't take communion. He said you can go to service, just don't partake in that part of it. Yeah, excommunication, uh, ex, ex though, David, goes farther, uh, far deeper than just not take, not participating in the Eucharist. Excommunication well, really means you're disfellowshipped, which which has okay. a well, maybe this was a little, a little more liberal priest, you know, than than the average, because he told me I could still go, and he said, by the way, though, you know, shook my hand and told me I was excommunicated. Anyway, let me say one more thing, please. Sure. You said uh, that uh, uh, that this other caller said that that the church is way out of step with San Francisco. And here's my comment: God is uh, unchanging. No matter what kind of steps they're making in San Francisco, so God's got His rules, and we're to follow them. And you know, that's the bottom line. Hey. Amen to that. And that, that statement, David, was from uh, State Senator Scott Weiner out of San Francisco. Uh, what he said was, the Archbishop's refusal to give communion to Speaker Pelosi is shameful 
he is deeply out of step with San Francisco and should be removed, uh, which I think is, well, anyway, you, you, can, you can evaluate this that statement. This woke stuff is shameful, Mike, and we all know it. It's, that is shameful. It's all about people say, uh, you're, a, you're a homophobe. I go, okay, and I'm an abortionophobe. I'm a thiefophobe. All these things that are sins, I cannot support them. I can love the people. I'm not judging them. That's God's job. But uh, if you want to make me feel less or try to because I, I don't celebrate your sin, that's not going to work, you know. Call me what you want. Yeah, I am scared of sin, all of them. We're well, supposed to be. Yeah, and I, I think, David, our Lord. The, the tactic there is to try to shame the other person. Uh, to try to uh, get them to buy off on feeling ashamed because of their views. And uh, again, that to me, that's evil intent in, in, even in and of itself, when we try to shame people. And, you know, guilt is one thing, shame is different, and, and, and there is a difference. I, I think you mentioned, David, uh, missing the mark, uh, sin in and of itself, and I don't, I don't mean to do a a Bible lesson here at all, but, you know, just, just to comment on it. One, one thing to miss the mark, okay, and, and guilt is part of recognizing, you know what, I missed the mark. I, I, I'm not doing what God has asked me to do, either by omission or commission. But shame, then, is a whole different thing in saying that's what I am. And that's what yeah. the opposition is trying to do is is make the rest of us believe we're something that we're not. And uh, you, you made a very astute and good observation on how detrimental that is. Uh, um, also, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation, you know, mm-hmm. and they want us. And I think the Bible says something about, hey, when the world's coming up against you, count it as joy, you know. Count it all joy. Right side. Well, and, and that, that, that speaks, David, to what we ought to expect uh, for those who are followers of Christ are going to be persecuted. Uh, that's why even, Christ said yeah. to take up your cross even and by, follow me. Yep. Yeah, well, when people, I think when it says something in the Bible about um, if you can't hate your, you need to hate your family, your children, your friends, what he's talking about, I have friends, and you don't hate them, but your kids are gay. You find that out. And then all of a sudden you, you do a 180 and, well, gay's okay, and come on over and have dinner, and, and we're going to support you and all of that. No, you got to stand up for Christ, not your kids, and, and teach them and stand with that, you know. I've seen that in several cases here in town. People do that. And uh, I think that's kind of what God's saying. Hey, did, did, people did, that don't discipline their kids, they hate them. Well, they're certainly doing them a disservice. David, thank you so much for the call. I got to run. Appreciate your perspectives there. And I uh, got, got one more comment to follow up on, but let's uh, let's take three minutes, and I'll be back on the other side of that here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV as the Mike Douglas Show continues. Here's more 
with the voice of the valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And, and on the iHeartRadio oh, app. I stepped on the lady announcer again. I must quit doing that. My apologies. Welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Just a quick uh, addendum to our discussion about uh, Nancy Pelosi and the San Francisco Archbishop. I I encourage you to be very careful, very wary about politicians who use scripture. Uh, and and, and we, we talked about proof texting, about how uh, not only politicians, but even some pastors when they're preaching will lift a verse out to fit what they're talking about. That That is a lack of integrity in handling Scripture. Now, let me give you a quick example. Uh, President Biden, the other day, in responding in his comments to uh, about the uh, Texas tragedy down there, cited Psalm 34, 18. Uh, the, Lord is, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Okay, so he bookended his comments with that. All right. But let me go a couple verses before that, Mr. President. Let's think about this. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Here we go. Verse 13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So how are we doing with that part, Mr. President? Just a thought. So my encouragement to you is to be very wary when uh, politicians start to lift Scripture out. Are they using it appropriately? Are they using it in context? Do you think they even understand what it means? Some do. Some do. But many are just pulling it to, uh, I think, to try to get the support of the uh, Judeo-Christian communities. Uh, Very quickly, we were talking about uh, the uh, bills that are currently in Sacramento about gun laws, and uh, a lot of people, I think, are are making a good case for some rational things to stop these types of tragedies. One is maybe to train teachers who agree to do so in firearm training, and uh, how to respond to an emergency, how to protect the children under their tutelage, and uh, or volunteers uh, that are former police officers, ex-military, whatever it might be. Well, the U.S. Education Secretary, Miguel Cardona, Miguel Cardona, doesn't think too much about that. Here are some of his comments. Educators across the country have and would give their lives to protect children, but that's not enough. We can do better and we must do better. You know, what does that mean? We can do better and we do better at what? What do you mean to do better? Define it. I love these phrases they, they throw out. Another uh, comment from him very quickly. Uh, told a co- congressional hearing, we're all, we've already tried hardening schools and putting cops on campus, but that didn't stop the Texas gunman. That was no match for Irma Garcia and no match for Eva Mireles and those 19 beautiful souls. He also told a congressional hearing the solution of arming teachers is, well, listen to his word that he used. The solution of arming teachers, in my opinion, is further disrespect to a profession that's already beleaguered. I see. So training teachers who want to 
to handle guns, to be trained so that they can protect their students. That's disrespectful. That's the U.S. Education Secretary. We're in a state, are we not, of confusion and of hypocrisy. But that's why we have our time together, 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday, here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow on What's on Your Mind Friday. Have a great night. Blessings upon you.